Thanks for tuning into today's episode. You know, a lot of crazy events have gone down recently. Balenciaga is taking serious heat over their latest ad campaign. Twitter might be getting banned from the Apple App Store. And the FTX scandal is getting even weirder. Keep listening to get my thoughts. You're listening to The Daily Dose with Barris. Pop culture, current events, politics, and the latest controversies. If it has a headline, I have something to say about it. So, welcome to the show. Now, kicking this off, hashtag Spotify Wrapped was trending not too long ago. And this is because, for those of you that don't know, Spotify Wrapped is the end-of-year results that Spotify releases for their artists and their listeners. So, basically, this report says who was the most streamed artist, what was the most streamed albums, and it'll kind of rank them. I think it goes from one to 100. And then also for the listeners and all the fans, it tells you who your favorite artist was, the most listened to, what genre you were in, and kind of how you stack up against people you know. So it's kind of a cool community aspect, if you want to call it that. But again, this is really important for artists. And I don't think from like a listener or consumer side, people think about it. But for artists, this is like the new version of the Billboard Hot 100, right? Because back in the day, All that mattered was sales, music sales. But music sales are such a minute factor nowadays. In fact, if you ask me, the Billboard Hot 100 has become so easy to con because if you send your fans to go and buy a certain album or a certain song and actually purchase it, because no one's purchasing anymore, it's super easy to kind of beat that system and get a number one. So Billboard really needs to change their tallying system to align 100% with streaming But in the streaming space, everybody streams, obviously. So for these artists, being in the top level of people that are streamed is super important. And hashtag Spotify wrapped really gives people the down low on that. Now, moving on into a more serious matter, Balenciaga is under serious fire after their most recent ad campaign. Now, to put this as simply as possible, in Balenciaga's latest photo shoot, we saw a girl, and this is like a young girl, okay, a child, posing with a teddy bear that was wearing bondage. And there was multiple of these shots, different wardrobe, but the same premise with this teddy bear. And obviously you don't need me to tell you why this is wrong. It is getting so much criticism and people are enraged because the photo shoot is obviously sexualizing this kid. And I'm trying to put this as PC as possible, but there's really no way to do it. This was an extremely distasteful photo shoot. And Balenciaga did release a statement, which we're going to get to, But that does not give them a pass on what they did here. It was completely out of line. And it's honestly ironic considering they just cut ties with Kanye after what he said. This is on a whole nother level. Now, not only did they feature this girl holding this teddy bear that was in bondage, like I said, but they also featured another shot that was a Balenciaga purse. And under the purse was a whole bunch of papers. And all the papers were blank except one piece of paper. And that paper on it, a piece of it was visible, and it specifically referenced a U.S. Supreme Court ruling named Ashcroft versus the Free Speech Coalition that struck down certain explicit child materials. It created case law for that. And obviously, you can put one and two together and figure out what that is. You can search up this photo shoot, guys, and search up that case ruling and see what it was about. But to make a long story short, they are referencing specific laws and specific precedent, legal precedent in this photo shoot, and then visualizing the kind of stuff that that case was trying to strike down and take care of. It's beyond messed up. Okay, it is just beyond messed up. This is so out of line. And I think this 
is when we really need to think to ourselves, what stuff are we canceling? You know what I mean? Because everyone's so focused right now on canceling people for quote unquote hate speech when we have stuff like this that's out in the world. It's just not acceptable. This is not some small brand. This is not some dude in his mom's basement saying racist stuff on Twitter. This is a conglomerate, one of the world's biggest luxury fashion houses coming out and and releasing this ad campaign that is beyond inappropriate. It's honestly grotesque, if you ask me. And I think most people have that viewpoint on this. And it's not, and I've heard people describing this as like dark art, like it's an art being expressed in a dark way. Absolutely not. So now that you have the basic gist of what this Balenciaga ad campaign entailed, and by the way, you can search this up and see it to get more reference. This is the statement that Balenciaga put out. It reads, and I quote, we apologize for displaying unsettling documents in our campaign. We take this matter very seriously and are taking legal action against the parties responsible for creating the set, including the unapproved items from our spring 2023 campaign photo shoot. We strongly condemn abuse of children in any form. We stand for children's safety and well-being. And the second half of their response says this. We sincerely apologize for any offense our holiday campaign may have caused. Our plush bear bag should not have been featured with children in this campaign. We have immediately removed the campaign from all platforms. That's their statement. That's their response to this. And while mistakes do happen, a brand of their size does not get the same leeway as an individual person. You did not verify what you were putting out. I mean, come on. This is beyond bad. This is not just a PR issue. This could be a legal issue, depending on what happens when this is investigated. You're tarnishing your brand name. This is not going to go untalked about for quite some time with Balenciaga, and they're really going to take a hit. What I find even more messed up about this whole thing is, is they're throwing it all on the artist. You cannot throw all of the blame on the artist. The artist was doing a shoot for you. And from what I understand about this artist, he's known for doing edgy off the wall stuff. So you should have checked and verified what this dude or, or, or what this girl, I don't know what the gender of the artist is, but you should have checked that whatever they were doing was gonna be aligned with your brand and your brand values. Because what was produced in this holiday quote unquote ad campaign was a disaster. And wrapping up this topic, you know, I just find it extremely ironic and honestly hypocritical of Balenciaga to do something like this when they canceled Kanye for making the anti-Semitic comments, which that's their right. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have done that, but you can't do that and then turn around and release something like this. And this is my problem with the overcorrection we're seeing in our society right now. It's almost like there needs to be a hashtag woke is weird because it seems like the companies and the people that are so over the top, quote unquote, woke end up being the people who have serious skeletons in the closet. And we're seeing that in real time with Balenciaga. It's like they were so worried about what Kanye was saying, although it was bad. And I will fully say that what Kanye said was bad. But what they just did, what they just allowed to happen in their recent campaign is beyond bad. This is very bad. This is insanely bad. This is a huge screw up. It's messed up. So I just had to point that out because I can't let it go unsaid that they are acting as a woke entity, is what I'm going to call it. I don't know any other way to put it. They're acting as this woke entity, and they're policing, and they're over-policing. 
not necessarily in Kanye's case, but they are over policing. And this is what the wokeism is causing. It's like the overcorrection on the subtle stuff and you're missing the bigger problems. That's all I'm going to say about that. I really want to get off that topic because, again, it's not even something I like to think about. To be real with you guys, it is it's a mess and it's horrible. Moving on from that, but staying in the realm of cancellation, the political commentator Tim Pool is under serious fire from a lot of people right now after his recent tweets about the Colorado Springs nightclub shooting. So I'm going to read off now a series of tweets that Tim Pool made that caused this controversy. I want to give you some more context by saying that Club Q is the club that this Colorado Springs shooting happened at. It's the nightclub where the incident occurred, where five people died and 18 people were injured. So I think that's important just to note. And here's what he said. And I quote, it seems that around 10 p.m. Club Q posted that they were having an all ages drag show the next day. Around two hours later, the shooter came in. People keep calling for wood chippers, and this is what happens. That's one tweet. Next tweet, he says, The grooming of children is not stopping. People are calling for more violence. I do not think legislators will stop the grooming. People will not stop calling for violence. So you tell me what happens next. In his next tweet after that, he said, We shouldn't tolerate pedophiles grooming kids. Club Q has a grooming event. How do we prevent violence and stop the grooming? And with this series of tweets, I understand what Tim Pool is trying to say. But at the same time, something serious just happened. And he is using insightful language that is very much seems like it's trying to get a rise out of people. And I've said this in my previous episode. When things happen like this, everyone starts acting hysterical and crazy. They start trying to push policies and use this for political gain. And then you have people like Tim Pool that really, I think, come in at the wrong time with these insightful comments. I don't know any other way to put it. It just seems very catchy in the sense that it's trying to catch a reaction. It's not like he's legitimately putting the info out there. But again, he was responding to another tweet. And so he was probably pissed off himself. He then goes on to say in the final tweet I'm going to read. If you're claiming that a quote unquote groomer refers to all LGBT people, then you're calling all LGBT people pedophiles and inciting violence against them. Stop protecting groomers. Stop inciting violence. And this was in response to a tweet that said that using the term groomer is an anti-LGBTQ word. And that's something I take issue with because, again, I think this is going back to like the woke thing, right? Tim Pool here is overcorrecting. It's like reverse wokeism. And then whoever came after him and was talking about how the word groomers is anti-LGBTQ is woke. There's nothing about the term groomer is has anything to do with LGBTQ plus people. It really doesn't. But the fact of the matter is... If a groomer is a groomer, then that's what we're going to call them a groomer. And that's not inciting violence. And the tweet that the person made that he was responding to, they said, look, groomers using the term groomers is inciting violence. And you are risking an LGBTQ plus person's life by calling them that. And I think that's a completely out of control and radical statement. If you call someone for what they are, that doesn't mean you're inciting violence on them. It really just doesn't add up. And again, this is where the tiptoeing thing comes in. You can't call someone by what they are anymore. If you're grooming kids, you're a groomer. I don't know what other way to put it. And so this whole thing is just like, I'm over the situation. And and that's what he keeps coming back to. People, again, and Temple is included, using this to push their point. Instead of saying, look, this is what happened. It was a tragic event. Give everyone a week to gather themselves. And then we can go at it. But why are people coming so hyper aggressive with their comments? Tim Pool and everybody else. This is like I said, this is not a left or right issue. 
I do have to say, I haven't taken a deep dive into the Club Q situation. I haven't taken a deep dive into the drag show claim. I haven't looked at that. But let's leave that to the authorities to investigate. And then it'll be released into the press. But I don't think we should be coming at each other in such an insightful and and kind of really violent way in terms of how people are addressing each other. And that's one of the problems with Twitter and the things that happen on Twitter is it's really more like a cesspool for confrontation than it is a place where people are sharing their ideas and it's free thought. Now, all that stuff is pretty heavy. Let's be real. So I want to move into something a little bit lighter, more interesting, not super light. I mean, this is also a pretty messed up situation, but that's kind of the news right now. For those of you that don't know, Sam Bankman-Fried is the founder of the cryptocurrency exchange FTX. And FTX recently went bankrupt. Now, Sam Bankman-Fried was claiming that all the money was lost. It was bad financial dealings, whatever. The company went to a value of $30 billion, And I said this in a previous episode. The value of the company went from $30 billion to negative $8 billion. We're not just talking about a bankrupt here. We were talking about a complete demolition and annihilation of FTX. And that's what happened. But we do have a little bit more info. As it currently stands, a billion dollars of client funds are still missing at FTX. But what's interesting is new knowledge has been released. $70 million was traced to political campaign donations. Okay, so it was left FTX and went to political campaign donations. $300 million was cashed out by Sam himself. Sam Bankman's Freed's parents also bought 19 properties worth $121 million. Now, let me just ask this question. How are you pulling money, this much money, out of a cryptocurrency exchange, keyword exchange? These were client funds being misappropriated in huge ways. And there's no other way about it. It is my firm belief that this dude is going to jail, okay? He was basically already in jail living in his mom's basement or wherever he was. I mean, take a look at this guy. I mean, seriously, search up a picture of Sam Bankman-Fried and you're going to see what I'm talking about. This guy needs to crawl back in whatever hole he crawled out of. Because let me just say, this dude has screwed so many people over. All this money literally just up and left disappeared, he claims, when he cashed out $300 million. There's records of this. And there's not a lot that the feds can do because when you look at it, the company is not even based in the U.S. It's based offshore. So because of that, there's different, there's different legal loopholes that are obviously going on. And, you know, that's the unfortunate thing about crypto. At the end of the day, it's extremely volatile and all over the place. And what people fail to realize is because crypto is not FDIC insured, meaning it is not government insured, which they probably won't insure anytime soon. That's a whole nother argument, because what we see is they're trying to delegitimize crypto. But as a general consensus, crypto is not FDIC insured. So if you lose money, that's it. There's no recourse. So if you're going to invest in crypto and you want to make some money, it's great. But just go in with the idea that this money could possibly disappear. And so if that is your life savings, don't put it in crypto. It's that simple. This is very clearly not a good look for the crypto community. Let's be real. It's not a good look. It makes them all look shady and like weird basement dwellers. Okay, that's what it looks like. But there's recourse because the people that try and discredit crypto, they end up being the ones that want to get involved. At one point, I remember, I think it was a couple years back, the CEO of JP Morgan came out and discredited crypto. He said, don't, nobody put your money in this. This is horrible. Don't do it. Don't touch it. You're going to lose all your money. As soon as he said that and the price of Bitcoin dropped by 50% or whatever, he went in and bought millions worth. 
And that in and of itself tells you what's going on. And I also think the government does not want to let people have an unregulated source of cash, essentially, right? If you have an unregulated currency, it can change in price. It's not mandated or heavily controlled by the government. They can't just create more of it because it's private and the people own it instead of the government owning it. And that's just something that's interesting to think about. Now, much like Sam Bankman-Fried, a lot of people also heavily dislike Elon Musk. He recently officially reinstated Trump to Twitter. And I said this a couple of episodes back. I said, look, if Elon brings Trump back on, it's going to be a media frenzy. And guess what? Not to my surprise, it was exactly that. People are ridiculing him left and right. Oh, he shouldn't have let Trump back on this, that, this, that. Honestly, I don't even know if Trump's going to be using Twitter. He hasn't posted anything yet because he created his offshoot, Truth Social. Not that that's really going anywhere at this point. But in light of this Trump reinstatement, people are speculating if Apple is now going to ban Twitter from the App Store. And this is a really essential point, because if Apple does this, it will decimate Twitter. The majority of Twitter's users by far are iOS users. And if they lose access to that, it's going to really screw things up. It's going to screw things up for Elon big time and throw a huge wrench in what he's doing. And honestly, I think if they do ban Elon... And honestly, if they do ban Twitter, it's going to be heavily litigated. Let's be real, because Elon has billions into Twitter. So he will not go without a fight. But nonetheless, it's a real reality. Now, you might ask, why are people speculating this all of a sudden? Well, what we saw is that Phil Schiller recently deactivated his Twitter account. And you might be asking, well, who's Phil Schiller? I don't give a crap about Phil Schiller. Well, actually, you might, because Phil Schiller is the guy at Apple who runs the Apple Store and all of Apple's events. So he's an Apple executive that is in charge of the Apple App Store, amongst other things. And what that tells you is that there's already a little bit of friction within Apple. At least this guy had enough of Twitter and he deleted his account. People are also saying that Apple themselves, the company, deleted all their tweets. And this is actually not entirely true because Apple has never posted a legit tweet All of their tweets have been sponsored ads. So because it's a sponsored ad, when you go to their page, it doesn't just populate. You have to search for the specific tweet individually. So Apple didn't delete any tweets, but this guy, Phil Schiller, did. And that's a huge red flag. And this is one of those things where I have to be real and say that this is super concerning. It just is incredibly concerning because when we get into things like this, where because Elon bought Twitter, it has gotten so much hate people dislike so much that he is wanting to open it up and use this quote-unquote free speech policy that apple might be willing to ban him from the app store and there are people who are proponents of this which is mind-blowing to me because here are my thoughts on it i do not agree with everything elon says whatsoever same way i don't agree with everything kanye says i don't agree with everything joe biden says or donald trump says But generally, I would consider myself a rational person. And when we talk about people being banned and cut off with no road to redemption because what they said doesn't align with the company's viewpoint, I have a big problem with that. Because at the end of the day, yes, Apple is a private company. Twitter was a private company. YouTube is a private company. Meta is a private company. But these companies have started to act in a way that is not of a private company. Number one, they take government money. And that's important for people to know. So they take government money. 
So they are heavily entwined with the feds. Not to mention that they act as a public domain. And this is why I was a huge supporter of Joe Rogan going to Spotify. Everyone said he would be done. He would be ended. His career was over. And honestly, I thought that. I supported, but in the back of my mind, I thought, ooh, Joe Rogan might take a big hit from this. Because a lot of his viewers, I thought, would feel like they were alienated. Well, what we saw is they didn't. In fact, his numbers grew. The Joe Rogan Experience is still the number one podcast in the world, and it's exclusive to Spotify. It was an amazing move by Spotify. It was a strategic move. It was a great move by Joe Rogan. But more importantly, it proves that people do not want to hear or see or witness their life being censored. Not the content they consume, not the content they produce, not at their job, not at their home life, not at their church, not at their gun range, not at their protest. People do not want to be censored. Who gets to decide what is allowed, what is okay, and what isn't? These are really gray waters. And I do talk about this pretty often, so I don't want to dwell on it too much, but it's a big issue. It's a big point of contention. It's a big problem because the web is so heavily compartmentalized. It's not a free-flowing thing anymore. There are stakeholders who own the sucker. You can go and start your website, but if Google decides that they don't want people to see your website... They're going to throw you down on page 10,000 or 20,000 and no one will ever see you. We even see that with YouTube. Creators on YouTube that get banned, a lot of them, they're ended. Just like that in the snap of a finger, in a blink of an eye, they're over because you have to be ginormous and have a huge following to survive outside of the scope of big tech. As a content creator, as a producer, even as a professional, right? People on LinkedIn, if you get cut off LinkedIn, that's a huge hit. For professionals, LinkedIn is your life force. Trust me, it is. You need LinkedIn to survive. It is the new version of a resume. It is your public reputation, LinkedIn status. So that's why I'm heavily weary when I hear things like this. I really hope Apple doesn't decide to ban Twitter. I, I really do. I honestly hope they don't because it would not be a good look for Apple. It wouldn't. It showed that they are becoming overzealous. And I love Apple as a company. I think they're doing amazing stuff. They're on the cutting edge. I think Tim Cook is doing a great job with the company. But some of their decisions are questionable to me when it comes to the bans, when it comes to the censorship. And this would just affirm that in my mind if they ended up following through. On a slightly lighter note, people are coming after Quentin Tarantino because he said Marvel actors are not real actors. He called them out. He said, if you act in a Marvel Universe movie, you're not a real actor. You make money in the box office, but you are not a real actor. He came out and said that, and I thought it was pretty funny because I actually agree. I don't think that Marvel actors are necessarily great actors. Robert Downey Jr. is the exception, but I've never seen anyone except Robert Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson in a Marvel movie that I actually liked, except Samuel L. Jackson. But again, it's very few people. Everyone else, I'm not looking at them and, and seeing their other movies and being like, oh, this is so tasteful and it's artful and it's engaging. Like, no, most of their other movies suck. I mean, I'm not even a huge Marvel fan per se, but I can enjoy a Marvel movie from now and again. But I can enjoy a Marvel movie every now and again. The point is, though, they're not really like cinematic masterpieces, if you ask me. They're not. It's, they're not a Titanic. They're not an Avatar. You know, Avatar, that first Avatar, when you see that, you are like, damn, 
This is something insane. I remember when that came out. It was intense. It felt real. You were emerged. The story was emotional. I don't get that from Marvel movies. So I'm completely with Quentin Tarantino when he says, look, Marvel actors, they aren't, they aren't real actors. But people got pissed because, you know, one of the biggest fan bases in the world. It's like the Marvel community, the K-pop community, and those people, they will come after you if you say anything against their club. And in this case, the Marvel Universe, as we'll call them, came after Quentin Tarantino so hard. <laughs> and then they started accusing him of being distasteful in how he creates his movies. And I got to say, Quentin Tarantino, he is the perfect example of a director who is willing to move controversially, right? He shrouds himself in controversy, but never in a disrespectful way. He manages the story, he does it correctly, and he fully dives in. And if you want to ask me what actors I think are real actors, quote unquote, I will tell you people like Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, even Anne Hathaway, even people like Jennifer Aniston to a certain extent. I think Jennifer Aniston is great. I think she's hilarious. And in her niche, she is top. I mean, she's a legend in terms of actors and really like celebrities as a, as a whole. But those people, to me, are what embody the pinnacle of what an amazing actor is. And Robert Downey Jr., I will give him that. He is one of those to me. I think he's great. And the only movies that I really loved in the Marvel Universe were the Iron Man ones, except the third one was a little BS, if you ask me. But overall, like, Robert Downey Jr. is great, and his story was great in Marvel, but again, like I said, I don't just like watch Marvel movies 24-7 like some people do and really get into it. I think at this point, it's just so out of control. I don't know what's going on. Also, catching a lot of flack right now is the United States government because they decided that they were going to send another four and a half billion, yes with a B, over to the Ukraine. And I just have to say, while I understand that we as a country want to help, at what point do we stop? At what point do we prioritize our needs first? We've already sent so much. And I would say that the U.S. getting involved in these other countries' foreign affairs and their wars makes them worse in a lot of instances. It does. Look what happened in the Middle East. Look what the U.S. did in the Middle East. We destroyed Middle Eastern countries. You look at Libya. When the U.S. went into Libya, yeah, it was messed up and they had a a hell of a dictator. I mean, he was horrible, but we went in and took him out. And now they have slave trades in Libya live on YouTube. They're completely destabilized and radicalized as a country. And then they hate the U.S. And when I say they hate the U.S., I mean the people, because they're, they're like, you came in and did this to my country, which we did. So I'm a huge proponent of the U.S. staying out of other countries' business because they make things worse. And in the case of donating or giving to the Ukraine, sending these packages over to support their country, look, we have 200,000 people homeless in the state of California, my state alone. That four and a half billion can get those people off the street. And so I'm wondering, why are we sending it to another country when our country is so jacked up? We have serious problems in this country. We have states running out of electricity, states running out of water. Look at Arizona, it has no water. California is going in a drought again. We're always hit with droughts here. We're also running out of electricity. We're facing inflation unlike anything I've seen in my lifetime. We need to retain our money. We don't have the money to be giving to the Ukraine right now. We are facing a national disaster with the current state of our economy, and it's only going to get worse. 
And so it's honestly, it makes me a little fearful to see what's going to come in these next few months to see how people are going to start reacting when they realize that we're sending all this money to the Ukraine and people in America are suffering. And it's not about not helping the Ukraine. What's going on in the Ukraine is tragic. And they don't even tell you the full stories. If you do deep research, you will start to see that it's even worse than you think. But there's stuff that's way worse than what you can imagine going on in the U.S. right now. And I think we need to address that before we start divvying out all of our resources to the Ukraine because we've already given so much. And people are going to start to wake up to that. And that's not going to be a fun sight. It's not going to be a fun event. It's not going to be a happy time when people start realizing that the middle class person is suffering. The middle class person is increasingly being put on the line. They're getting hit with the inflation. They're getting hit with the lost jobs and the layoffs. They're getting hit with the high gas prices. They're getting hit with the food shortages and the water loss and the energy problems. Anyways, finishing this episode off on a lighter note, Thanksgiving is just one or two days away and a huge controversy just sparked. And that is Ready Whip versus Cool Whip. I want to know what team are you on? Ready Whip versus Cool Whip. I keep seeing this people fighting over this and debating what's better, Ready Whip or Cool Whip. Look, I personally am a Cool Whip person all the way. First off, I don't like dealing with the can. It's loud. It's annoying. It's cumbersome. But Cool Whip Something about it is just so much better. Nothing like a nice piece of pumpkin pie with a little dollop of Cool Whip. Mwah. Chef's kiss right there. But that's going to be it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and spending a few minutes of your day with me on The Daily Dose. Don't forget, you can follow me on all social media platforms at It's Bears. And you can find this show on every podcast streaming service. Just search The Daily Dose with Bears and give it a follow. It's that easy. That's it for now. I'll see you guys in the next one. Let me drink you in, yeah. Cuando bailas, 